Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Helicopteriness, Finding the Balance Between Worrying Too Much and Being Too Laid Back. The topic was picked by Jen Rosenberg, who believes her and her husband, Ben, are helicopteriness opposites. And we're very lucky to have them both at the square table tonight, even though Ben is, uh, is feeling a little uh, coffee tonight, but we're happy he's here with us. We also have Samantha Chris, whose son is just beginning a big independence stage, becoming a think-for-himself toddler. Let's find out how these parents navigate being all-in, loving, teaching, supportive parents, and at the same time giving their children the space and time to learn, make mistakes, discover, and grow. Jen, you gave us this perfect word to get us started. It's a real um, word. It's a perfect word, yes. <laughs> okay, so it's a real word, word yes. <laughs> So why were you thinking about this? Um, it's something that I've thought about Ben and I for a long time, but even more so after we had our second child, Elijah. Sam, I feel like we both kind of were a little bit hovery. Okay, because as first-time parents. First-time parents, um, and it was difficult to get pregnant, so we were like even more so, always waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then... Elijah came along, and Elijah has different parents than Sam did. And I feel now that I, I'm i looking at Elijah and Sam with different eyes, the eyes of a second-time mom, which is very different than a first-time mom. I can see that Ben still sometimes gets a little bit worked up, you know, about the Cheerios that Elijah's eating up off the floor, where I'm more like, it's something I don't have to pick up. Okay. So I... And I feel that sometimes I'm not watching him enough because he falls and he, you know, Ben found him under the TV one day <laughs> with a battery and a remote and I was, I don't even know what I was doing. So that, that was one of those moments that I was thinking, wow, Ben's helicopteriness is good for me because sometimes I'm not watching. Okay. So it's a great balance because... I see in myself that I can be too lax. And the times that I maybe not criticize, but I'm thinking he's too watchful, that they're going to be okay. Like, I think that maybe it's good. Somebody needs to watch me. I love it. Okay. And I'm, I'm good. Let's, well, let's go right to Ben and find out how you felt being the first time dad and now being experienced and ready to do this, um, at least these stages again. And then those things that, 
I guess my, the other question is like, what do you, what do we mean when we talk about helicopter? You know, is it the, is it over managing? Is it, is it hovering? And will Ben own that? Does he feel like that really applies to you, or does she have, uh, or is there a different meaning as you're hearing her say, you're more helicoptery than her? Well, this is the first I'm hearing about all this. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie daisy. <laughs> I mean. Um, I, you know, I'm probably, uh, I can tell that I'm a little bit more hovering than Jen is. And, you know, I do, I get a little freaked out when I see Elijah eating things off the floor. And I mean, it's mostly because he eats like entire meals off of the floor. Of the floor. It's <laughs> just like, it's kind of, It's not because my house is... Uh, well, let's, let's throw out some of the words. So it's, so the two words that are popping into my brain as you're describing that, and, and also as you speak, I mean, if anybody could see Ben, I mean, he has a very gentle disposition. So, I mean, are you sort of a sensitive dad that's really like that the person who... And a sensitive dad raising boys is a really powerful, wonderful mm-hmm. thing. So I think of the word sensitive, and then I think of another word, overprotective. So yeah. where do you fit in in those in, in how you would describe your sense your your own parenting? Um, I'm definitely a sensitive dad, uh, and I, I'm an only child. So I grew up in a very overprotective household. Um, the you know the the first an- the the first answer to uh, any question I asked is usually no, and then I had to kind of make my case as to to why. So, you know, I think some of that probably rubbed off on me. So it's familiarity, yeah. and you're and you're doing you're raising your your boys the way you were raised. Well, did you but did you have to become <laughs> rebellious that to like break out of that? I um, it wasn't it was kind of more uh, you know conniving or something. I would come up with like little schemes to get what I wanted. So I think that that kind of, you know, helped me, I guess, in some regard. At what age would you have identified your parents as protective? Uh, I don't know. Probably, it was pretty early, probably around before I was 10 years old. I mean, I saw some of the other kids doing more things than I was doing. And, uh, you know, but I kind of told myself I wasn't really going to to do that. I wasn't going to be like that. I was going to find a healthy balance. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of the overprotective, I mean, I don't even think I'm overprotective. I just... Watchful. Yeah, I mean, you're you know... Attentive. You're attentive. Yeah, I mean, when <laughs> Sam first started walking, I, he'd walk and it always looked like he was going to fall, o- fall over on his face. And... And I'd be kind of there to catch him. And everyone would say, oh, just let him fall, let him fall. But, you know, I'd be walking on cement. And I'm like, well, if he falls, then we're probably going to have to go to the hospital. So why do I, can't I just do what I want to do and not let my kid fall on his face? So my son I, fell. Okay, yeah. take it, Samantha. I mean, and, and there, I mean that's a really yeah. good question because that's where helicopter hovering comes in is yeah. I'm going to protect my child from mistakes and from accidents yeah. and from negative consequences. Yeah. Go ahead, Samantha. It was last winter, and we were all at our club pool, and Miles was on the lounge chair, and he just rolled right off and hit the back of his head onto the pool deck, the travertine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he's not a crier he really if he bumps his head now like he'll just touch it and walk away and he's he's all good but in that moment he was screaming I um took him in my arms I gave him a hug I calmed him down my husband Jonathan was right there and I'm like is he okay do we need to go to the hospital I'm like oh my god I'm freaking out and he looked at him 
he was, he, you know, nothing cracked open. He wasn't bleeding. No projectile vomiting. Exactly. And so once he calmed down, my husband's an ophthalmologist, so he's had all this medical training, and he's always my rock when it comes to, is Miles okay? Mm -hmm. And if he says he's okay, if he says we don't have to go to the hospital, we're not going to the hospital, we're fine. If Jonathan ever were to say, we're going to the hospital, I know it's something bad. Right, right. And so that helps me in terms of these situations. So in that situation where he fell and hit his head, I knew that we were going to be okay because Jonathan said that, he's fine. So after the first clunk, mm-hmm. were you more protective? No. I was the same. So describe that. Um, I kind of forgot about it, so I just moved on. Mm-hmm. And um, now... There was obviously the phase when he was learning to walk. And in that phase, he would bump his head and this and that. And I kind of just said, you know, he's going to bump his head. I think it helped that he's a boy. And boys get bruised and they get scratches. He never really had any bumps, but he would hit his head. I mean, it's going Um, to happen. When they're at a new developmental stage, there's going to be clusters of accidents and disequilibrium. And the the big scary part to Ben's question, aren't aren't I supposed to be the dad that that puts them in the bubble wrap, that that, that protects them from having to go to the hospital? Um, The answer is no, because they won't get the gross motor skill. They won't get the vestibular response. They will not be able to manage bodies. And this whole idea of big adventurous play, teetering on edges of things, for example, um, but also hanging upside down from monkey bars, all of this, all of this stuff is changing brains and bodies that will actually change how well they can sit at desks in pre-K, how well their fine motor is when they start writing, as if we're going to be writing for your children's generation, But the, 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 in case we want them to be surgeons. But the whole body-mind-emotional health connection is dependent on their body control. And so they need to fall. They kind of need to fall, even on concrete. One of the things um, and they I, will learn to fall. One of the things that I did with Sam that I've not been able to do so much with Elijah was letting him, in a controlled way, hurt himself to learn lessons. There was a time that Sam was playing with the drawers in his room, and I saw him hooking his fingers over mm-hmm. and opening and closing, yeah. and I said, he's going to close his fingers in those drawers, and it's going to hurt, but he's never going to do it again. And so I let him close his fingers in his drawer, in the drawer. It, he didn't do it very hard. He cried, cried for a second. He's never done it again. I see him when he closes a drawer. He pulls his fingers up, and he's very careful about it. Elijah just kind of goes headfirst into yeah. absolutely everything he does. But Sam, I'm able to teach those lessons right. and let him But I fall. think with Elijah, you will too. I mean, I think in our class with the young toddlers, mm-hmm. you see them pushing the door to the house onto each other and sort of, you know, getting their fingers in precarious positions. And it's not a free-for-all. I don't think it should be, you know, the wild, wild west out there. Um, I think it's a balance. I think it's about creating an independent space for your child to grow and develop and be who they are, but at the same time having a safety net so that they know that you are there for them. And as they grow up and become from the age of one to two, from two to three, obviously that safety net, you're not, you're not always there, right? They go to preschool, they're on their own in the playground with other kids, 
So I think it's letting go of that safe zone a little bit and allowing the independent zone to get larger and to grow. And I, and it's a, it's a constant battle with that. And I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle, for example, on a playground, when Miles goes down that slide, I was very cautious in the beginning. I went down with him, and then I read a story that they can the hurt their legs that way, so I stopped doing legs that. Because their parents, exactly. they, that's the definition of helicopter. When you're so involved. <laughs> well, I go down the slide. We have some side. finger pointing at the table. And it's a whole new phenomenon. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, parents never went on slides with children. Those slides are so dangerous, though. I'm <laughs> Excuse you, me, I'm of a different the, generation, and you. I came from the age of, de- of, of dangerous slides. I went down that slide, and it was, there's well, a picture of it. it hurt you for a different reason than it hurt Sam. I don't know how anyone could go down those slides. <laughs> you go down those slides, like, couldn't walk for a week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we know why he's why he's um, hands on and involved. I, I love it, and and this is not about criticism. I mean, it's real, but it is about um, how you how you find your own way and what your children will grow up learning. I think, like, if you have an imbalance in your house, then your children know. Well, you know, when I need a lot of protection and empathy, I'm coming to dad. Uh, when I need, and I think that's the big question. It comes to your balance is. You know, what's the message you want to give your children? And that is, you got this so that you can do this with or without me. But I will always be behind you. I got you. So that that unconditional love is there. And then with the fingers in the drawer, because it's really not, I don't think we go back to that old world of, um, you know, children, like, let them just touch the hot stove and, and they'll figure it out. <laughs> right. You know, it's, like I said, control, control, that there is this sense of after it's when it as it's happening. A slow pause, even two or three seconds, will get you a different reaction than the <gasps> jumping in. But when you see the fingers coming, say, oh, ow, ow, ow. Fing-, you know, you can, you can say something to anticipate, and then maybe you will teach them the executive function of my action is going to have a consequence. But if it doesn't hurt, how do they... How do they really understand? I mean, if we, if I say you it's going prevent, to hurt, no, they're they going Here's the bottom line: you can say it's going to hurt, and they're going to do it anyway. Right. So, and then you're there to say, "Ouch!" Now let me open the door, the mm-hmm. door for you, so that you're not in there for too long of a time. Right. You know, the battery under the TV. I'm a little. <laughs> yeah, that was not my finest moment. But but again, I do believe, and the and the word I wrote on my sheet is benign neglect. I mean, there has to be this this benign neglect that says, you know what? I can't watch everything. I can't see everything. And I don't need to. And in last week's podcast, I mean, what they're talking about is this whole playborhood concept of kids taking huge risks in the neighborhoods. And so what they're doing is, you know, they're like, you know, when my child's at the playground at two, I'm on a blanket 30 feet away and feeling the judgment and criticism of parents who think I'm too hands off. So it there it, it is... Every one of you finds your own way on that continuum. I teach Miles now when we're playing in our driveway, we're playing in our driveway, and he will start running to the street to get mail or, or whatever it is. And I say, I tried to get him to stop and hold my hand. So now he stops and he says, hand. He knows that he needs my hand to cross the street. And sometimes I'm sure he's not going to do it every time, but I try to train him a little bit so that 
He's aware. And Miles is the child. He likes order. He likes sequence. He likes reason. He likes words. So you've got the perfect combo if you anticipate it and you set up a routine that supports that experience, you've got it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, I think nine times out of 10, he's going to be the child that, that loves him managing himself in his world because mm -hmm. um, that gives him a sense of power. Elijah? I don't know, Elijah. <laughs> He's the sweetest child I think I've ever, ever met. But A he, bigger risk taker than Sam? He would crawl off a bridge if I let him. He would just crawl right off. He has no sense of fear. Well, we know depth perception does no, is not innate, and it only comes from falling. So there's your whole dilemma on that. And that's why, and I know people hear me say this on the podcast all the time, but that is on that slide in our classroom, I will tell you not to catch them when they're leaping um, off the slide. I will ask you to stand there and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. And what the children do is they slip. And then they're hanging, holding on, but they have a sense of their body in relationship to that space and that incline, and they have to be resourceful. Now, you are there spotting them, but if you rescue too fast, then they don't have the problem solving or the skill or the spatial knowledge to, to handle themselves. And I will tell you, and here's, here's what, what your homework is for all of the helicopterers out there. The trick of it is, if you truly can trust your child and be there watching how they evaluate risk for themselves, 90% of the children in this world will only take on as much risk as they're ready for. So I don't think Elijah's part of that. I, you know what? We will watch him. But the bottom line is, those children who take the leaps bounce a little bit better than the other kids. <laughs> I think that also comes with being a second child. They don't get hurt. They, I mean, it, they don't get hurt because somehow they manage their bodies. They know how to fall slower. They, 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 I, now, again, it doesn't mean crawling off, you know, not taking those big dangers. But little by little, he's going to be way more masterful on a playground. I can see that he has more control of his body than Sam did at, the, at this age. And he probably has been hurt more than Sam by Sam. And he has mastered the slow fall. But I think there's a lot to be said about the um, constitution of a second child. It's tough. They're... I mean, we're tough. Well, he also has a brother that has been more physical with him. Right. So, yeah, yeah. He's, he's had experience. Okay, so let me come to Ben. Do you feel protective over that sibling dynamic? Yeah, but I look at Elijah, and he does seem to have more control over his body than Sam did. So I don't find myself thinking, like, he'll climb up on a chair, not a, a tall chair, but a, a small chair, and where when Sam was that age, if I saw him there, I'd run over because right. I thought he was going to fall, where I don't, it doesn't look like Elijah's going to fall to me. So that's kind of where I think maybe I'm not really a helicopter parent. I think I was just So you do have, you feel like you have a the, pause and an evaluate. Yeah, I mean, I would see, you know, Sam always looks like he's going to fall over to me, and Elijah doesn't. So it's, I'm there to you know, make sure every, you know. To be there I mean, if yeah. you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> I think helicoptering could mean many different things. And maybe maybe helicopter isn't the right word for for you. You're definitely more watchful and more worrisome than I am. But yeah. 
You're definitely not a helicopter parent to a fault. When Karen mentioned the 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 phrase or word helicopteriness, I didn't at first think of it as like a hovering parent. I pictured it as one of those parents who's running from place to place to catch their child wherever they're wherever the child is in case the child falls. So it's like it's that spin of the of the helicopter the propeller. propeller yeah. And the parent running around the house or running around the playground w- catching the child. That's what, what I thought. And so what do you think the, the effect of that is? You don't, do you don't identify with that? No, I don't. But what do you think the effect of that, um, that running around parent is? Um, the effect on the child? I, I don't think there's any negative effect on the child. I just think that it's a different type of parent than I am. Right. And I'm there if I see Miles is taking a risk that, I, that he's not ready for yet. I'm there, but I let him be himself, especially if it's something he's already done and mastered. I know he'll be okay. Right. So I'm not, I, I take a balance between some things I'm running over there to make sure he doesn't fall. And then other times I'm, I let him be. What do you think, Ben, the, the effect of that? I mean, because I have an opinion of what, how I feel just having you describe that. <laughs> how do, what do you think the effect of that sort of helicopteriness is? Um, I mean, he might want to have me around a little bit more. You know, I, I notice he, I notice sometimes he wants to hang out with me more than, you know, other kids. But, you know. I'm cooler than other kids, so I don't, I don't blame <laughs> it. I think that's a perfect insight. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the insight of that, and again, you 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 weigh it because it's it, everything comes down to the balance. Everything comes down to if it starts to tip too much one way, you pull back because the, the non-existent parent isn't one that's going to have that deep father-son relationship. Mm-hmm. However, it's that question of are you doing it because you want him to need you? And I do think that's a big part of the helicopteriness is I don't want, I need, I want my child to, st- it's, and you were talking about separation. You know, when you're going through that, t- that transition, how can they go off into the world and not need me to be there? How can he not prefer me? I'm the cool dad. Right. I want him to be with me right now. Especially while we've got this little one. This is, I want to I, I be with him for that time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's a little sad to watch him get Grow older. Up. Grow up! There yeah. we go! Oh, he's, he's uh, so good at the sensitive dad. <laughs> yeah, but you're capturing the emotions. Yeah, it's so... And I think that's, I think that's huge um, from a parent point of view. And that is, it's so sad to watch yeah. them grow up. But, the, but those who don't have a lot of helicopteriness are so eager for them to grow up and embrace the change. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're like, no, I still, lo- I'm gonna miss that stage when yeah. he leaves it behind. Yeah. I feel that way also. I mean, I also think that helicopter parenting is not just about catching them when they fall. I think that it extends to many different aspects: putting their shoes on well beyond the age that they need to have their shoes put on, feeding them well beyond the age that they can feed themselves. Those are the things that I, the, those are like my propellers. And I think that that sort of thing, I was actually just reading an article very recently about a couple in Sweden whose child was ordered into a special school because of over-helicoptering. I think the kid was nine and couldn't do anything for himself because he was 
you know, overparented. And that doesn't make them bad parents. They love their they child love and they take care of him. But there is a line where it can be a detriment to and their development. And there is a cliche out there that says, don't do anything for a child that they can do for themselves. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, like just as you would bring each other a cup of coffee right. or do something thoughtful. It doesn't mean don't be thoughtful, but it means don't, don't, assume don't take responsibility for the stuff that they're responsible for and I and you know me I love I mean maybe this is the flip side of helicopteriness and that is though in my if in my personal life I would probably be very helicoptery because I am because I hate separation I don't I never want the children to grow um, I, and I want to squeeze those older preschoolers back into their little baby bodies all the time but I the wish op- we were still in transition with Sam but the opposite is and this but I also have this thing and that is I love finding children's edges because if you I mean I think and I think that's to me the definition of being a great teacher is let me find your edge and show you what you don't even know you're capable of yet. It's also there's you know a lot of people that cut up every single thing their child eats into the smallest finger-sized food for the child and I Miles There are will, fingers being pointed in this room. <laughs> Miles will not eat food if it's cut up for him. He wants a whole slice of pizza. He wants a whole meatball. I can probably cut it in half, but he yeah. will not eat it if it's cut into sixteenths. He eats whole grapes, and I'm there. I won't let him just take a whole grape and run with it. But okay. I'm not okay with that. You <laughs> <laughs> not the whole grapes? It's one of my crazies, really? and I'll just put it up. Ask Jonathan. I mean, I because I know school age kids that choke. And kids who've eaten grapes for years and years and years and, and years. And don't cut them in half in front of her. You have to cut them length. I need them cut. I mean, I am. That's my crazy. Okay, I'm on the table too. So I got you. <laughs> you got me. But I love it, and I think that what I think what's really exciting because you see Miles really ask for that. Treat me with that with that sense of respect, honor, and responsibility because mm-hmm. he loves it. Yeah. Um, he loves, he's little, and it, it was, and what I was, was you're describing that, it takes me right to, like, let's say, like, the Donna Klein curriculum, you know, for school-age kids, and that is, what's the most important thing we want to be teaching for innovative learners for 2040? Voice and choice. And if we give them voice and choice with the size of their pizza when they're 18 months, then we're so going to raise children who are problem solvers and innovators and ready for an ever-changing Eight, 18 world. months? Yeah. Wow. Her son's 18 months. Wow. 17. Yeah. <laughs> well, we missed the boat on Sam, I guess. He's, uh... <laughs> He's, oh, you're still cutting for Sam? Uh, no, I don't. I'm actually... Stop I, it. I cut small for Elijah, but I, I give Sam big... I gave him my pizza tonight. He wanted... I gave him my no, whole slice. Saying, and if, but... You know, but here's the thing. It's not like windows close on development. It's when you realize, yeah. oops, maybe I could have had an opportunity to do something. Create the opportunity or look for more opportunities. But again, every child is different. So Sam, you know, he's not... There, he's he's still behind. I in can some see things. Sam was a tenderoni hearted boy. He I is. Mean, and that's that, and that's the other thing I think that everybody has to feel real comfortable about, and that is so much comes from our temperament, our personalities, and how we are, and and we certainly want sensitive, caring, kind, gentle. Um, watchful parents as much as we want the risk-taking parents. If every if the world was all one way, would be kind of boring. But my other my other question for you is: as you look out there in the world, um, is it a more fearful world? Do you think you have to protect your children in ways that your parents didn't have to protect you? Or, yeah. Oh yeah. 
I mean, every time you turn on the news, it's like the worst story you've ever heard. And uh, So what's your specific fear for, for raising your boys um, for the next couple years, not for the big picture? For the next couple years? Well, I don't know if I have any real fears for the next couple years because, you know, they're so young. I think I kind of worry about them when they get a little bit older. I mean, you know, you hear these horrible things that happen in, in schools and... Uh, Bullying. Bullying, I mean... And violence. Violence, yeah, stuff like that. I don't worry that the, that the kids are going to get bullied. I mean... Okay. Uh, so some more like cultural, big, big, big... Yeah, yeah. Shootings so, and... Shootings, kidnappings, stuff like that, you know? I mean, it could... Uh, you know, we, we live in a very nice neighborhood, but I don't know that that necessarily protects us, so... And so I think if we live in a world where there's a lot of fear generally around us because we have a media culture of yeah. fear uh, and, 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 and certainly legitimate things yeah. to be take caution for Not, and we've all been through trainings here I mean we, we mm -hmm. take it all very very seriously but the question is um, if the if, if, if the helicoptering is part of control is for like I, you know like I can I have to keep my kids safe mm -hmm. versus I can, they can, I can teach them to be safe in this world. And I think it's two different kinds of responses. Fears. Miles is, he likes to explore. And so my fear is that he will, will be in a store and he'll just wander and explore and I won't know where he is. We were in Toys R Us this past weekend and it was a zoo. And Miles just started running around. I was with my husband, I was with my mom, so we had a lot of coverage there, but we were literally chasing him around the whole store. Jonathan went to a specific aisle, came back, opened up this box, and out popped a backpack with a leash on it. <laughs> and yeah, we became yeah. one of those parents in the store, and it was actually quite fantastic because we were able to follow him right. where he wanted to he go. He could feel like he was leading. He was there leading, and we were allowing it but we were able to still follow him. And so it was this beautiful thing, which we actually will use in Disney, Disney when we I mean, go there. I do think it's great for Disney. I really, especially when you have very active, precocious kids that are ready to go off exploring on their own. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. So that's one of my fears about wandering. And, and here's the other thing I do believe as someone who's just done this for a really long time. Because, I mean, there were there have been years when Family Time ran the Lost Child booth at big... <laughs> county-wide events here in South Florida. And the bottom line is, there's a lot of people out there to help you keep your kids safe. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there mm -hmm. that are here to be response teams um, and kind, friendly parents and, and finding the right words and vocabularies so that you feel powerful rather than powerless. Um, because I think that is one thing when it comes to helicoptering um, is that your children are reading your emotions and they're reading your right brains. And from the minute that they, that they learn how to crawl and, and learn that depth perception, they are they're evaluating risk based on what you feel comfortable allowing them to do. Mm -hmm. So when you, if you feel powerful in response to a crazy, chaotic, unpredictable, potentially unsafe world, um, that gives them a sense of power. And, and again, finding a way. And I think the leash is a, 
it's and we I, the backpack. Yeah, the backpack. <laughs> the backpack. It's, uh, it's not exactly a. It's leash. not. It's yeah. and and for all those people who said they would never do it, I mean, I I just think wait till you're in that situation, but it's a good metaphor. Because I think that's part of the balance and the teaching, which is, you know, how do I let them feel like they're leading? Mm -hmm. And yet I still have the protection on them that's age appropriate. Because Miles would be miserable if I stuck him in a stroller. That's right. He would be miserable if I was holding him the whole time. And so this is a way that he can still do what he wants and we're still watchful. I think it's a perfect metaphor for the response to not being helicoptery, but still being very hands-on and protective. Yeah, perfect example. Fears, Jen. I say I'm not the helicoptery one, but I have a list. In oh front my of gosh, she certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm terrified of bullying. Both my children becoming bullies and being bullied. I'm terrified of guns. I'm terrified of promiscuity mm-hmm. and peer pressure, being hit by cars. Facebook, Instagram, like Perfect. suicide. There's so Perfect. many things. There's so, like, I don't know how children navigate adolescence in today's world. I don't know how it's done. And I don't know how to tell my children to. I also think guns is a great one because a lot of people have guns in their houses and you don't know right. if your child's over that person's house. Is the gun locked up? Is the gun safe? Is an older child going to get the gun? Your child's are, I think that's a great a great one that you added. Yeah, I have that conversation with the gen a lot. And I always think to myself, like, are you supposed to ask somebody when you're yes. going to their house if they have a it's gun? It's certainly appropriate. Yeah. Sure. That's what my husband wants me to do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and here's here's my experience, and and again, I, I I'm gonna take make have you take a copy of that list, <laughs> and we're gonna revisit that. Um, I I think that was a really great thing to take away, um, in terms of what you do with these fears now. Um, but a quick example on the guns. One time I worked as a as a pre K teacher in an inner city school, and um, th- somebody said. Miss Karen, my aunt got shot yesterday, and I went, I'm so sorry, how is she? And she looked at me and she said, Karen, she's dead. What do you mean? I was like, okay, this is not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a program, it was a very unique literacy program, and I was with the children in the morning but did parent groups with those same parents in the afternoon. And those children in the morning had the most active circle time we ever had. These are four- and five-year-olds, and they all told me, who had guns, where they were, everything about them. I went into the parents' room. I said, who's got a gun? They said, nobody. And I went, no, no, but I know differently, and I know where yours are. And all of a sudden, there was all this um, laughing and joking. And, and, and the bottom line was, um, there is a way to be responsible. And, but, but you cannot fool yourself about what children know, mm-hmm. what children have access to. And what I want to tell you, because I... I mean, I think in my experience supporting parents and teachers all these decades is that we all need to have knowledgeable, informed, responsible, research-based responses to all of those situations. But the bottom line is your children, and especially by handling age-appropriate problems, struggles, and developmental challenges along the way, they will be ready. And all of that, I mean, you do not jump into middle school peer pressure or high school, you know, drinking drug situations without going through cutting up the pizza now. (laughs) And it's all connected. And those dots about trusting your child, trusting yourself, and giving them skills to think for themselves, to evaluate risk, to know how to come to you when they have situations and conflicts. It's all 
Your parents did it, not in this world, but in a world that had other frightening things. <laughs> so <laughs> truly, truly, I mean, we, you know, we forget that, that childhood, adolescence, middle school, all those things come with enormous risk and always have. But you guys are so up to it. Now, I'm, I'm going to throw out one little thing and then I'm going to, but I, well, let me throw out one little thing. And that is that the research is so clear on what the only important ingredient is for successful parenting. And it doesn't matter whether you're an attachment parent or whether you're more old school, my not, my not favorite type, that you get what you get, but you don't get upset, you know, that you can choose anything. And, and, and even to different discipline responses, only thing matters, internal locus of control. If you feel that there's nothing your children can bring to you that you can't handle, and you can't handle it in the moment. You know, in my book, when I say you've got to be smarter than your child, nobody's smarter than a child in the moment. You go into reaction mode. But right. we have the ability to reflect, to talk, to be partners, to have a village. So, yes, we can raise children well. And, and I think maybe that's part of the antidote to the helicopteriness. And that is I can be sensitive. I can be kind. I can be, you know, that, that a little more protective than somebody else. You know, I can be a little more worrisome. But the bottom line is my son will know because we have all sons here, and my daughter will know mm-hmm. that, that, I can ha- that whatever happens, we can manage this together. So uh, what I want you to do with that list is take a picture of it before you leave here tonight. Because, well, I mean, it, and it's big and it's scary. And there's a lot of, I mean, every one of those, not could be just one podcast, but a thousand podcasts. But you will also choose communities and relationships and friends that are going to support you through all of that. Um, just as you, just as people supported you through transition. So it's, it's scary but I know you've got it. I know you've got it. And that is our wrap-up. Same way every week. And that is um, thinking about helicopteriness, of wanting to protect, of wanting to give them freedom. How have you got this for right here, right now? Samantha. I just think I, I try to be the best mom I can be. And I it's more of my instinct and how I feel in the moment and in terms of being the mom, you know, being Miles's mom. And it's more just how I am as a person, not, I don't try to be anything I'm not. And I just, I, and I think it comes out in my balance between not being overprotective, but not being too independent, letting him be too independent. It's more of that, that mix in between. And Mm -hmm. so I think, I, I think, think it's hard to protect your child from everything that can happen, but I think it's them knowing that you are there if something does happen to help them through that situation. And watching you as a first-time mom for these last 17 months, I mean, you've come with confidence, um, and you've come trusting yourself and trusting him, and Thank asking you. the questions when you needed to. So, bravo. Thank yeah. you. Okay, um, Ben, and I really am grateful that you came to, you. to to represent helicopteriness. Yeah. Um, well, but I still don't. I'm still, we, you don't. I still don't admit that uh, I I have that problem. But uh, what what <laughs> words will you choose? I mean, I mean, for, uh, to describe yourself as as the person that is I don't know, that has I mean, your boys back. I just you know I I care. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. You know, one thing I do is I look at, I kind of compare how I was raised and I look at what my parents did and I kind of take some of the things I like that they did and some of the things I didn't like that they 
did and I would, you know, not do those things. And uh, uh, my mother was very overprotective. My father, uh, he, you know, there's this story where I was just crawling around when I was one and your he dad's gonna be so mad. You're well, he didn't story. know. Well, I could tell a lot. I could do a whole segment on my dad, <laughs> but uh, he's a great father. Uh, I'll say that. And um, but when I was one, I was crawling around. He didn't know where I was, and apparently, I crawled behind a television set, and it fell on me. And that was in the the 80s when you know those things weighed like you know 80, 90 pounds. They're like cement blocks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know. They claim that nothing happened to me, and uh, you know. I, I'm here and uh, mostly normal, so I'm, I'm hope, I think it didn't affect me much. But, you know, I, so that I, I, that's always in the back of my mind, that, that TV that falling. You're going to have the story. to t- yeah. You don't want to be that. You don't want to have that story for your boys. Right, yeah. I don't want to be the, <laughs> the dad that, you know. I love it. So that's, that's kind of where I get a lot of my... I, I love money. it, and I think you do have this, and I think that that whole story just shows how deep it goes, yeah. and, and we're really happy that you're hands-on and involved. Yeah. Thanks. I certainly yeah. am. Um, have you got this? No, I don't have it, but I try every day, and I think that as a team, when I acknowledge that as the mom, I'm not infallible and that I'm not doing it right all the time, and that sometimes he does it better. Sometimes he does it right, and I'm not. And I think that acknowledging that, even if I don't acknowledge it to you all the time, like I do acknowledge it to myself. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you did everything better. Ninety percent, yeah. <laughs> there's that. No, you're gonna have it. You're gonna have it recorded now. That yeah. and and I think it goes way more than ninety percent. I I do too. Um, I joke, but yes. you opened it. You said it before. Like I need him to balance yeah. me. And how beautiful is that? It's a balance. And now that like we've been talking about it, I'm seeing that I'm my parents' child also because they let me do whatever. I mean, I was jumping off the roof into my pool in middle school, and that was not happening in your house. Yeah, her so. dad is the, whatever the opposite of helicopter parent is, is what your dad is. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we do have to bring them in now sometime to have this uh, conversation. It would have to be, you have to have a, a dump button and a delay. That's yeah. from Brooklyn. You're going to be doing a lot, a lot of editing. Of yeah, a lot of editing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so very much. I think you shared amazing insights and stories. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, hey, 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 we're growing too. So if you like us, please tell a friend and like us on iTunes. Catch you later. Bye.